As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Today on Tom Curran's Patriots Talk podcast, we are sampling NFL minds down in Miami the week of Super Bowl 54. We are figuring out where Tom Brady's game is at the moment, according to evaluators, and how much they think Brady should make as a free agent this offseason. All that and more coming up on Tom Curran's Patriots Talk podcast. Let's go. Okay, as you can tell, Tom Curran not in at the moment. This podcast has been hijacked by Phil Perry. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, Tom. I feel like this is a fascinating topic that has been the buzz in some ways of Super Bowl week. And we have so much access to so many smart people across the NFL from different areas and facets of the NFL that it's important for us to dive deep and try to figure out how good is Tom Brady right now. He's the best player on the Patriots. He's the most important player on the Patriots. He's also a free agent. So where is his game? How much is he worth? I think those are all important questions to be asking these people that we have a chance to run into here in Miami. And it started really early this week. Media night, the NFL now calls it opening night, was at Marlins Park in Miami I had a chance to ask Brett Veach, who's Kansas City Chiefs general manager. Obviously, he has a quarterback. He has a pretty damn good quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be interested in Tom Brady's services this offseason. But I asked him what he thought Tom Brady's market might be because Tom Brady is clearly not the quote-unquote modern-age quarterback in 2020, not the most mobile guy, still accurate, still a good decision-maker. So, Brett Veach, tell us. What do you think Tom Brady's market's going to be? Who's going to be interested? How many people are going to be interested? How many teams are going to be interested in one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady? Well, he, you know, like Pat will, you know, kill a lot of narratives with the way he plays. I mean, talk about a guy that, you know, greatest of all time. So, I mean, I don't know really how you, yeah, on one end he doesn't fit that narrative. On the other end he's the greatest he's ever played. So, I mean... I think anybody looking for a winner will, will be lining up for sure. Now, that's all well and good, Brett. It's all well and good to say winners, teams that want to be winners, teams that are looking for a winner are going to be lining up. But when you have to put your money where your mouth is, if you are, say, the Oakland Raiders or the L.A. Chargers or the Chicago Bears or the Buffalo Bills or the Miami Dolphins, and it comes time to actually put an offer together for Tom Brady, what might that look like? Because you might want to be a winner. 
but do you want to pay $30 million a year for that guy when he's 43 years old and maybe even 44 years old if he's adamant about getting a multi-year contract? So to get a better gauge for what Tom Brady might be worth, we decided to ring up our buddy Joel Corey. He now works for CBSSports.com, longtime NFL agent, has represented Patriots of the past, has negotiated with Bill Belichick, knows the league's landscape, continues to write in depth about the league. He is one of the best follows on Twitter, at Corey Joel. If you're looking for contract info and you're looking for salary cap info, he is absolutely tremendous. So we decided to get a gauge from Joel as to how much Brady could really be looking at in terms of dollars and what he might do to negotiate for Brady if he was in Don Yee's shoes. Joel, what do you think Brady could command? You said you don't think that he's necessarily going to be looking for top dollar, but if the Patriots are offering even uh, something less than than he was given in, in 2019 because they do want to try to build around him if they're bringing him back versus whatever the max is that another place would be willing to give him for maybe two or even three years to get him to that age 45 that he has talked about wanting to play till, what do you think that that high-end number could be for someone in his position? Well, you brought up something interesting that optically or from a PR standpoint could work in the Patriots' favor if they don't want him back. You offer him something less than what he made this year to try to force him to leave, so you don't have to be the one saying, we let Tom Brady go, we didn't want him back, so you can try to win that PR battle. But um, he's in uncharted territory because nobody has played quarterback at a high level at his age in the NFL. So he's kind of a let-the-buyer-beware proposition because he's held off father time better than anybody in history. Started catching up to, It started catching up to him a little bit more this year than ever before. But you don't know what it's going to look like on a go-forward basis. Um, I, if Drew Brees decides to play, that might be a good indication of what an older quarterback could get. Um, Brees finally started taking a little bit of discount with his last deal um, with the Saints. That was $25 million per year. Um, in the high end of the older quarterback market has been Roethlisberger at $34 million per year. So maybe if you paid him 60 over two and you structured it, if you had to, where you had voidable years, like in the current Patriots deal, and there's all, and there's a cost associated with that. If the year is void, cause there's dead money, you can, you can uh, take the cap hit over a longer period of time, but we really don't know what he's going to do. Cause from a financial standpoint, he hasn't chased money since 2010 when he signed that extension, which made him the highest paid player in the league. So you heard Joel there mention maybe two years for 60, and I think that's a number that a lot of us have settled on, and it feels like that would make a lot of sense. Now, depending on how the market moves, do any of the quarterbacks that are up and available this offseason sign deals before Brady? Do they help set the market for Brady? Do they improve the market for Brady in terms of what he'll be able to realistically haul in. I don't know. Those are all TBD, but what I do know is that another really intelligent person that I ran into this week in Miami was the Ringers' Kevin Clark, and Kevin does a tremendous job covering big-picture topics across the NFL. He's not a cap expert per se, 
but I would call him one of the foremost roster-building experts because he does such a great job tracking trends across the league and how successful teams build. So he has thoughts on how the Chiefs can sustain, but he also has thoughts on what Tom Brady should make for the Patriots if the Patriots decide that they want him back. Is it going to be better than the one-year $23 million deal that he got for 2019? Is it going to be worse? Here's what Kevin Clark had to say. When you look at the Patriots, if you could put your Bill Belichick hat on. Oh, God. Or your hood. It's a hard hood to put on. As it were. um, And you look at Tom Brady. Yeah. How much would you be willing to give that guy based on what you saw from him this past year? So, he made around 20 this year in cash? 23. 23. I think you run it back and say, let's do 23 again. I think that's fair. And I think that you're, you're paying a tax on what he's owed, essentially. And I think that I think that generally, when you when you talk about Tom Brady and his value, I think that listen, if he had the weapons, I think they're in the Super Bowl this year. If he had those weapons because the defense was good enough, he was solid, and it was just a matter of he couldn't overcome a supporting cast. There are quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, it, it, it's funny. It's like it's like the aging process, right? Like, I mean, you you start out it's as like a, life. Yeah, you start out as a baby, and then you get extremely. You know, you can overcome anything, and then as you get older, you need more help, right? Almost like when you started. And from from Tom Brady's perspective, he's not going to be a Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson type who's going to say, "Okay, I have bad coaching, I have bad uh, supporting cast, I don't get offensive line help." I mean, those guys are, are under assault every single game, and they're able to overcome it. Tom Brady still has great coaching. He still has great game plans. He's still ready to rock. He still has a great defense. The only part that was missing this year was the weapons, and I think they can retool that, and they can they can make a run next year. So whether you fall in the Kevin Clark camp of one year for 23, let's run this thing back, or you're closer to Brady should be getting two years, $30 million a year, the number that Joel Corey threw at us, that's fine too. But again... These NFL teams, they're not going to be necessarily paying even somebody like Tom Brady for past performance. He's not owed anything in the minds of some of these teams. He has to give them value for the here and now, for 2020, 2021, maybe even beyond that if there's a team out there that wants to allow him to play until he's 45. So what are these teams looking at? They're watching the film, of course. They're looking at the data. They're also tapping into some of the resources that are available to them outside of their own walls. And when I say that, I specifically think first and foremost of Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus is employed by all 32 NFL clubs. They are clients of Pro Football Focus. That's where this thing has gone. It has absolutely blown up over the course of the last few years. The league has bought in on what they are doing. I have bought in on Steve Palazzolo and his brain for many years now, and we had him on with us to talk about Pro Football Focus's QB annual report. You will not find, I promise you this, you can try to prove me wrong if you want, but you're going to spend a lot of time and coming up with a whole lot of nothing. There is not a more exhaustive quarterback report. All quarterbacks across the league, all kinds of data that you will find that is better than PFF's QB annual. So Steve Palazzolo is going to explain to you what the QB annual is. He's their senior analyst over at PFF, and he's going to tell you what the data tells them and tells us about Tom Brady's game right now because that's what teams are going to be looking at. Okay, here right now with Pro Football Focus's Steve Palazzolo, senior analyst. And Steve, 
The QB annual has just come out for pro football focus. Obviously, we're talking all things Brady, all offseason from the moment the Patriots season ended, really even before that. And we will be until he either re-signs with the Patriots or signs somewhere else. And, you know, we'll continue to talk about him after that, too. But the QB annual is a fascinating study in why quarterbacks were good or why they weren't. Explain to us first, before we get into Brady specifically, what the QB annual is all about. Yeah, so it's another piece of the overall PFF products. If you have PFF Edge or Elite, you get a whole bunch of different things, and this is just added to the mix over at pff.com. And the annual was our way of saying we've got so much data. We put out grades. We put out some basic stats, some advanced stats. But this is everything, all the best stuff that we have for quarterbacks. So actual ball location on each throw, how open the receivers were. Was it the quarterback's first read, second read? Was it a check down? So we take our massive database and just try to unload it to the public so it shows how how accurate a quarterback was, how well they played in various situations, just our way of, of six pages, right, per quarterback, whatever we ended up at, maybe more. It's unbelievable <laughs> and, the uh, amount of information here on every single quarterback. And even if you just focus in on the Brady stuff, the Brady pages, on each page it tells you, where the league average was in right. all sorts of different categories, catchable passes, accuracy percentage, all of these things that we can look at to try to gauge where a quarterback is. Now, obviously, how a quarterback performs is still dependent on the situation around him. It's not, you know, not every throw is made in a vacuum. Right. And so how helpful was the offensive line? How helpful were the receivers? And that was a lot of the conversation around Brady this year. But after digging into how Brady performed, what would you say was PFF's takeaway on his season? Yeah, so I think obviously the the national discussion with Brady that, you know, the breezes of the world don't get is, you know, is Tom Brady falling off a cliff? And, is he yeah, washed, Steve? Right. Tell is us. he completely is he done? Uh, and, and a lot of this is because Peyton Manning actually did that, right? Peyton Manning actually did fall off a cliff and won a Super Bowl, um, but he was a completely different player in 2015. Brady has regressed just a little bit, right, over the last couple of years. The way I you know, look at it from a macro view. I think 2014 to 17 was the best Brady we've ever seen. 18, he regressed a little bit back into like a 13, 14 type of Brady, probably four, early 14. And then now he's he's taking a step back. But the situation around him took five steps back last year. So I think that's the biggest thing he had. Um, his overall accuracy in the annual was really good. But that also takes away a lot of the miscommunications and all the different throws where he had more incompletions than any other quarterback on those types of things. Wrong route, miscommunication, receiver stops his route, receiver gets cut off by the coverage, whatever it is, because we're not really charting the accuracy on that. So um, I think the offense was much worse. The situation around him was much worse. And also Brady did miss a few more throws than he had in the past. And it's important to point that out, the fact that you guys do take into account okay, the play broke down because Nikhil Harry ran a post instead of running a comeback. Right. And Brady had nowhere to go with it, and you guys do a great job of just tracking throwaways. You right. know, not the, not the 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 classic back of the, the football card sort of stats that I think right. we've all become so used to over the years. So it's not just based on the numbers, which I think a lot of people that aren't familiar with your work would say, well, you know, what are the, what are the numbers guys? No, right. it's, it's not that you guys take into account the context of a play. Context You're watching of every the play. play yep. And that's, what's most important. And so the throwaway numbers were, were sky high. And I wonder from your perspective and from PFF's perspective, when you judge and when you grade and when you chart things like throwaways, 
how much of that can work against a quarterback? Were there throws this year from Brady where he actually might have had a guy if he had waited an extra second and maybe he bailed a little too early? Because I think that was a criticism of Brady this year too. Yeah, there was there was some of those. I think overall the the, the throwaway is a is a safe play and it's not a a negative play. I think the way it works in our system is if you did have a positively graded throw that you didn't make, you left it on the table. It didn't show up. Uh, in the system. So it might not be a negative, uh, so to speak, but you left a positive on the table. Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with this the last couple of years. He has not pulled the trigger on open throws. He's, his Rodgers has been way more blatant than, say, Brady as far as leaving plays on the table. I think the big difference, though, a lot of the stuff we found is that quarterbacks are actually more accurate when they throw to guys that they trust, guys that they really believe in. So Big Ben, his tight window throw percentage to Antonio Brown through the years has been incredible. Brady throwing tight window throws to Gronk has been incredible. And that was, I think, what was missing, too. It's like not open, not open, not open, throw it to Gronk. And you could throw it up to him, and, and, and Brady would make spectacular throws. He would make okay throws, and but you would trust Gronk to go make a play. And I really think that was a big part of you know, losing a few completions this year when you didn't have that real trust factor with one guy. And what's amazing is obviously he trusts Julian Edelman. And so a lot of his best throws were probably to Edelman. But I can I can picture three or four throws down the seam to Ben Watson, of all people. You know, right. but 39, I think now, year old Ben Watson. And injured and stumbling. And, right. and, and odd, you know, probably not in great football shape, missed the first, you know, quarter of the season. But... There is some trust with that guy because he's worked with them for a long time. They have a good relationship. Right. And so you see that back shoulder down the seam type of play, and Ben Watson might not always be able to make it. But it's like, man, that's one of the best throws Tom Brady's made all right. season. Uh, and it's to Ben Watson, which tells you what he was surrounded I, by this year. I think that's where they really screwed up from a team-building standpoint. Because even when Gronk was there – 2015, they bring in Scott Chandler. They're like, hey, we either need Gronk insurance or we need that second tight end. They, br- they bring in Martellus Bennett, which obviously works. They win a Super Bowl. So they kept trying to bring tight ends either as Gronk insurance for his injuries or just, man, we can create so many mismatches here. And now all of a sudden they've got the worst tight end situation in the NFL and it wasn't really even close. I mean, it's the slowest group of tight ends and guys where you just, you know, an aging Ben Watts and a Matt Lacoste. They just, it was a terrible situation for a guy that, really knows how to throw to the tight end and maximize that position. So what I'm gathering from the QB annual, from having you here now, still accurate, still um, a good decision maker in terms of maybe being conservative and understanding when to be conservative. I did see on Pro Football Focus, uh, you guys ranked your quarterbacks, I think, going into the Super Bowl. So maybe we'll get another quarterback ra- ranking after the Super Bowl. Yeah, All like the Garoppolo grades. will jump yeah. or, or Mahomes will right. jump. Um because I, I believe it was Russell Wilson who was at the top of the list this yeah. year, so there is still some room to to uh, Mahomes some, has a chance to jump to gain, him. Yes, yeah. uh, for Mahomes, and Brady was at twelve. Do you feel like the twelfth best quarterback in the league, who's going into his forty-three-year-old season? I'm not going to ask you to to be a salary cap expert here or a contract expert. But when you look at teams like the Seahawks, for instance, who paid Russell Wilson thirty, you know, thirty-five million dollars a year, and now don't have a great situation around him, how smart an investment would it be to pay Brady even twenty-five at this point in his career? Do you think? I think that's doable because it really depends on what the alternatives are. I mean, if they had a second-year Garoppolo behind him, that they're like, hey, we've worked with this guy two years, we feel good about him, then it's an easier move for the Patriots I think it's where is the alternative can they find somebody cheap in free agency are they going to you know move up spots in the draft to get one of the 
probably three first-round quarterbacks. So, I mean, I think it really depends on what the alternatives are. But I think in today's NFL, like Dak Prescott's a really good example. I don't think he's he played like a top ten quarterback this year statistically, but I don't think he's a top ten quarterback. I think he's 12, 13, 14, year in, year out. He's a mid-tier quarterback, and I think mid-tier quarterbacks or the guy that's 10th best in the NFL can put up top five numbers with the right supporting cast. So even at Brady's age, if you put the right guys around him, yeah, I think you can still make that work. So we go from one massive brain to another. Warren Sharp is considered by many to be one of the smartest minds in football, period, end of story. Another person... So PFF, employed by NFL clubs, Warren Sharp, employed by NFL clubs to help them with game planning. That's part of one of the many things that he does in order to make people smarter about the league. Yes, he's helping even people in the league become smarter about their own teams, about their opponents, and about the upcoming matchups. But if you read my work, occasionally Tom Curran will do this as well, constantly referencing Warren Sharp's data because if you want to know how a team does against heavy personnel, how the Patriots have been using their fullbacks, how they've been using their tight ends, whether they're going spread, whether they're running, whether they're throwing, and what sorts of situations they're doing all of these things, Warren tracks all of this. He's very familiar with Tom Brady's game. He feels like Tom Brady still has game. Calls him a stud. A stud? Who needs a little bit of help? Let him explain. You've watched Tom Brady, you've watched his Patriots offense for many years now, you know how they operate. Do you feel as though the Patriots should do whatever they can to bring Brady back? Where do you feel like Brady's game is right now? That's such a tough question because um, he, for many years, especially early in his career, he was making wide receivers. Like he was making these guys. They 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 didn't have hardly anybody as you knew, and they were making like Troy Brown, you know, a, a kick returner, secondary guy. He's a wide receiver, catch, you know, Super Bowl. Uh, so they had all these guys that were Brady was elevating their play, and and now he sort of needs a little bit more. He's to this point in his career, I think, where he needs some guys the Jimmys and Joes, he needs those guys a little bit more often than he did back in the day. Um, his arm obviously has stepped down, you know, from what it was. His, I think his mental speed and his decision-making is still there. Like, that's not something that's going to rot away that quickly. Um, and he certainly keeps his body in great shape. So from a physical perspective, about being able to be out on the field and be present and be able to do what he needs to do, He's obviously still one of the best in the NFL, and his ability to get you into the right play is so undervalued. I think a lot of people, oh, well, you could get a guy with a liver arm. Well, yeah, but he's not going to have the acumen to get you into the right plays that are going to be able to take advantage of the defense as well. So um, it's hard. I, I don't certainly want to say that Brady's on his last legs here uh, because I think this guy is a stud. He has been. He still is. Uh, but it's it's... It's something that I'm sure in the front office they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, and I'm not the best one to tell them. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's how do you value those things that you mentioned that still make him so good? And I spoke to a, a defensive coach today who had to coach against Brady during the season. He said, the game is just still in slow motion for this guy. Yeah. So in terms of the decision-making and being able to decipher what defenses are trying to do, there might not be anybody, anybody better in the league, but if he doesn't have anybody to work with, it makes life difficult. It's, it's hard. Plus, I mean, like you said, when they lost the, the fullback and they lost Gronk, now you're limited. You're going three wides. You don't really love your wides. 
You don't have the power run game that you once did. The left tackle was a mess Le this yeah, year, too. So there was a lot of problems offensively that I, I would hope, if you're a Patriots fan, that you would predict are going to get resolved because you're going to identify where you need to build and start making those moves in free agency or in the offseason via the draft. So we're talking about the data. We're talking about what the numbers tell us about Tom Brady's game. We're talking about the value that should be slapped on whatever it is that Tom Brady's game is right now. We're talking about the tape as well, though, because that's really what it comes down to in the end, especially for these teams that don't necessarily only want to trust the data, want to trust the numbers, even if Pro Football Focus's studies are based on the tape first and foremost and they generate the numbers off of that, teams are going to say, what does the tape tell us? And there is nobody better in terms of looking at the tape and being able to explain it and boil it down to its essential elements than Greg Cosell. Greg Cosell, executive producer and analyst for NFL Matchup. You can find that on ESPN. He's also a senior producer at NFL Films, 40 years at NFL Films, just one of the godfathers of X's and O's in the media and breaking down the tape. I caught up with Greg at the Miami Beach Convention Center, and he gave us an honest take, an honest assessment on where Brady's game is right now. Is it where it was in years past? Not exactly. Here's Greg. I think that his two things in particular with his skill set I think have slightly diminished two things that were that made him Brady one is I don't think he's quite the same pocket mover that he used to be because one of the things about Brady despite the fact that he's obviously not a fast guy or, or what we say a second reaction quarterback his few quarterbacks in the history of the game have navigated within the pocket as well as Tom Brady uh, and I think that that has just diminished a little bit. He's, to me, he was not quite the same. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is I think he wasn't quite as precisely accurate as he's been in his career. And, you know, I think those two traits were two of the traits that made him so special. Traits that probably people don't think about a lot. You know, I've, I've always believed, particularly for quarterbacks that are not great athletes, that pocket movement is an absolutely essential trait because you are going to get pressure. Mm -hmm. And it's then how do you respond to that? Some guys can't respond at all. Brady was a master at being able to move within, you know, an area, let's say, not as big as a boxing ring, but, you know, a, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a confined space without losing his mechanics. See, a lot of guys can move but they lose their mechanics and their vision. Brady was a master at being able to move within a small space, not lose his mechanics, and keep his vision. Maybe one of the best ever. I thought that that trait just diminished a little. Do you feel as though the, the pocket passer, as classically That's defined, is, is going extinct, for, I, for lack of a better Phil phrase? Phil Sims and I were talking about that earlier this morning. And you know, Phil doesn't quite see it that way. He thinks there's always going to be a place for that guy. It's a fascinating question um, because defenses are getting faster, better. Um, there's more pressure packages. There's more six defensive backs, so there's more speed that pressures your quarterback. So you start getting into third down situations, and many would argue that defenses then have the tactical and speed advantage. So quarterbacks have to be able to make plays that are not structured. So 
you, you could make that argument. But then you could also make the argument that if you're tremendous like Brady or Breeze, that they can still be perfectly great. Now, there's not a lot of guys like that. So now you're getting into the greats, you know. I think there'll be a couple of quarterbacks, one quarterback in particular in this year's draft that could test that theory, and uh, that's Jacob Eason from the University of Washington, who's big arm kid, big kid, not a statue, but he's not going to make his living by moving around. Got it. You know, so we'll see. We'll see how the league looks at that. It's interesting because I just feel like whoever the Patriots go with next, whether it's 2020 or 2021, whenever that happens, it's probably just going to be a different type of of quarterback just because it's – so pervasive to have a you know a mobile quarterback right in, and, and again and you look at this game you know Garoppolo and Mahomes they both Garoppolo, operate outside I, the pocket a little bit Garoppolo I wouldn't call Garoppolo mobile mobile it's more but, scheme though I guess yes, that kind of gets him yes, outside yes, and gets him on yes, the move yes uh, Mahomes for sure um, you know I guess we'll see yeah. you know I, I, I certainly because they don't talk about this I don't know what they think of Jared Stidham you know I don't know if they see him as the heir apparent you know, I can't answer that. Yeah. Um, he, he, he can actually, Stidham is not a bad athlete. He can move a little yes, bit. He's and not throw a bad, yeah. off platform. Yeah, he's thing not a bad athlete. A lot of times now is yeah. that. I mean, he's know, not, you know, important. Russell Wilson or Mahomes, no. but he's not a bad athlete. Right. The pocket mobility may be down. The accuracy may be down. But when those things are starting at a certain point, even if they drop, you still have a talented player. You still have an above average starter in my opinion, and even though the rest of the league may be going towards mobile quarterbacks, and you look at the two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, different types of mobility, Patrick Mahomes, a phenomenal scrambler, can create plays all his own, can buy himself time by escaping the pocket and throwing the ball deep down the field. Jimmy Garoppolo, the scheme gets him outside the pocket, allows him to make throws on the run, and that's a huge part of Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's obviously not Tom Brady's game. So will he fit every scheme? No. But wherever he goes, he's probably bringing his own scheme. Let's be honest about that. And it sounds like, according to some very smart people, there should be some teams that are willing to spend, willing to invest in Tom Brady, where his game is right now going into his 43-year-old season, and in that scheme that he has helped shape over the course of the last two decades. Thank you so much for being with us on this edition of Tom Curran's Patriots Talk Podcast. Make sure you keep an eye out for new episodes. We will continue to batter you with content because we know you love it. We know you soak it up, and we appreciate you for that. We'll talk to you very soon. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.